talk about the great cloud of witnesses. I already asked you, I think it was Sunday night, when you have a favorite Bible character, somebody besides the Lord Jesus, then I ask this question, did they ever mess up? And so tomorrow we're going to talk about that a little bit, and it makes great application for the race that we're in, and uh, we'll look forward to, to doing that tomorrow. So if you have a ribbon thingy, Bob, marker, if you would put it in the book of Lamentations, Lamentations chapter 3. If you don't know where Lamentations is, well, I don't know either. So just uh, go get to Matthew and flip left real slow. And then if you see Isaiah or Jeremiah, stop. It's right after Jeremiah. So it's Isaiah in the Bible, then Jeremiah comes next. Those are two big books after the book of Psalms. So Jeremiah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations 3. Put a marker there. And then a little while later, when we turn there, it will almost be over, okay? So now let's go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. It's the other direction. It's almost at the end of your Bible. Hebrews chapter 12. I've, been, uh, I've enjoyed our uh, time with you. I enjoy the services. I rarely talk about what I do during the day because I don't like people to know what I do during the day. But I usually sleep all day long and I come to church and I preach. That's what I do. But no, not generally. But uh, today I got to go fishing uh, for the first time in the state of Florida, and for the first time in my life, I caught a peacock bass. <laughs> and so I um, didn't keep it, but I did bite a big chunk out of him to see what it tastes like, and it tastes like a bass. But no, I didn't. But uh, anyway, I uh, was glad that uh, uh, Brother Kenny would take me to do that. I enjoyed it a great deal. I do enjoy fishing and we had a good time together, but I was glad to get to do that. That's something, that's one of the things, a perk that Nancy and I have. We travel around the country. We go to different places and people go, hey, have you ever seen this? And I go, no. Would you like to? Well, yeah, I guess so. And we see things that a lot of people don't get to see. It's like, any, anyway, um, and we get to sight see some things and we get to experience some things. That it's, it's, that's a perk that we have and we're thankful for it. And uh, God's blessed us. I have preached in every state. I have I've not preached, I should say it like this. I've not preached in three states of the United States. I've preached, in, I've been to every state. I just haven't preached in every state. And I'm thankful that I get to do that. And so uh, God's blessed us immensely. And I'm just real thankful I get to do this. Very thankful that God would put on my heart to pastor uh, to have me come and be with you. I'm very thankful. And so, and we've enjoyed getting to know them. They're wonderful. It's like we've got new friends and it's a blessing to us. So I'm looking forward to what we're going to do tonight. Do you have Hebrews 12? If you have Hebrews 12, if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. <clears throat> Tomorrow's our last night. I sure, sure hope that Oh, you'll come back tomorrow. Um, you know, it, it would be sad. I'm just going to tell you to your face. It would be sad in my heart 
if I come tomorrow and there's not as many people tomorrow as there is tonight. You know, that would be sad in my heart. I'd feel like I'm a failure. I didn't do good enough for people to come back. And uh, I honestly don't expect me to do good enough, but I do believe God's word is powerful. And I do believe God uses his word to touch our hearts and we go, I want to be back. I want to see what else God's going to do. So that's a hallelujah. Hebrews 12, look at 12, verse 1. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Time out, stop right there. I told you we'll do that tomorrow night, okay? Now, the rest of what we're going to do, we've already read these verses. Hopefully, in your heart, in your mind, you'll see some pictures that we've talked about. So look what it says. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I would like to pray with you if you don't mind. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray together. Our great God, I want to say thank you. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you prove that you love us. Thank you that you started your church, Jesus, and you are uh, interested in what goes on in your church. You've given us direction. You've given us instruction about what's supposed to take place. So, God, thank you for that. And Lord, I uh, thank you for what you've already done in our hearts these few days. But would you do it again tonight? So would you help me with unction and utterance and power to preach? Please help me. Then I pray that all of us are ready. We want to hear what you have to say. Jesus, I do love you. And I sure look forward to when I get to see you. So it's in your holy and precious and mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I went back to the back to get uh, these books right there, Nancy. I think I left them there. I just want to ask a question real quick. It's not a test. It's not a quiz. I'm just asking the question. Has anybody read any of the pages of this book yet? Let me see. Lane has. Anybody else? So how many pages have you read, Miss Elaine? It's not a quiz, but... About half the book? I thought you had a job. <laughs> you got time to read half a book in one day? Has it already been a blessing to you? Okay, she bought it from me. So has it already been a blessing to you? It is a blessing, isn't it? It's, it's precious how it touches our hearts to see us. I hope others will read it and so on. Has anybody read any of the pages of this book, Still a Baptist? Anybody read any of these pages? Oh, I really look forward to you reading this and seeing what it means and why. I'm just telling you, this is what I believe, Dave McCracken, why I'm a Baptist. It explains it, and it teaches you, and it can help you easily tell others. Anybody read any pages of this one? Okay. Anybody colored any pictures yet in any of the books? Anybody? Okay. All right. All right, I just wanted to ask that question uh, just uh, as a reminder that they're back there. I hope they'll be a blessing to you. Hebrews chapter 11 is a metaphor, I'm sorry, chapter 12, chapter 12, verse 1, we've learned that it's a metaphor about Christianity. 
we're surrounded by this coliseum, this stadium, and it's got this great cloud of witnesses. Then he says, let us lay aside, and he says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, I, it's, you don't get a grade here, you don't get an A, or you don't get a B or a C or D. Or you don't, it's not a failure, but does anybody remember the Greek word for race? Let us run with patience the race. Anybody remember that Greek word? Agony is close enough, but agona, agona, you might pronounce it like that. Christianity has guaranteed heartbreak, amen? We've talked about that in a great way and so on. So let me just get a little, just a little thought, just things in your brain. If there is a Colosseum, there is an athletic event, there is Christianity going on, isn't there some realities, realities that would take place in an athletic event? Wouldn't there be occasions that there would be great joy? Start, let's start over. This is a, a metaphor about a race, and we're in this big stadium. One of the realities of a big stadium that sometime or another there would be like great celebration. There would be great joy, Amen. That would be obvious. There'd be some high fives and chest bumps and yelling, hallelujah. There'd be rejoicing going on, hallelujah, great celebration. But it also is true that in every stadium there would be disappointment. There would be trial, tears. You could even use the word heartbreak. Pain. Hardship. Listen to this one. Strenuous self-discipline. Amen? We're just talking about what's going on on the field down there. So in, in the metaphor of Christianity, the same thing happens. Sometimes there is, hallelujah, great celebration. Somebody say, praise God. Absolutely. But also, in Christianity, there is pain. There is heartbreak. There is sorrow. There is disappointment. And then in this race that we are in, this Christianity that we're in, oh, mercy. The race all by itself has hardships. But then another hardship we have, we have, a, we have a wrestling match, I guess you could call it. We have this, well, maybe you could call it this battle. You could call it a war. We have this battle with our flesh. I'm in the race. I've got my jersey. I've got the number. And the race is hard enough, but one of the one of the things that are going to happen in the race that will hinder me, that will be a, a disappointment to me, is me. I have habits. I have wrong habits. I have weaknesses. I have conflict. Do you know what I've learned? If there are two people that live in a house, only two. 
sometimes there's conflict. I mean, there's only two people. Do you know why? Because two people are two people. They're not the same. So in this race of Christianity, I've got to deal with others. Some are great help. Some are great encouragement. Some are not. I have to deal with my flesh. And then we have to deal with God's arch enemy. Satan himself wants to mess up our race. Somebody say amen. He is after us. Satan is not just after the preacher. He's after everybody that's got the jersey on. Somebody say amen. Mercy sakes, he wants to destroy us. Then everything about this world is anti-God. This world does not love God. The world, the flesh, and the devil are all arch enemies of God. They are not subject to God. They don't want God. They don't want to surrender. They don't want to yield. And they want to mess up our race. Wow. So, I told you I don't name my sermons, but I give them titles. And I said I called the one last night Training Rules. And tonight is a continuation of Training Rules. So we learn that uh, the training, we need to run with patience. We did that Sunday night, and we learned that we need to lay aside how many weights? Every weight. Just because it's a weight doesn't mean it's wicked or sinful. Amen? Watch, but if it hinders me from making progress, if it slows me down or it's a blockade to me, even if it's not wicked, it can become a stumbling block, a weight that I must lay aside. Amen? It doesn't control my life. Yeah. And then we also, I talked about sometime the coach has us run in the sand. Does he hate us? No, he loves us. Does he abandon us? No, he carries us. Amen? But he has us in the sand because he loves us and all he's doing is improving us, strengthening us, and helping us for what's coming next. Amen? And what he's going to do with us. The text says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us. Everybody with me? Now, I'm a Bible reader. I'm a Bible student. I'm not a scholar, but I do study. I do read. I do try to determine what the Bible says. Listen carefully. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Has anybody ever, have you ever heard the verse before that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Have you ever heard that before? How many ways are there? How many truths? Is everybody with me? How many lives? I am the way, the truth, the life. Amen. And we make a big deal. He is the, yes. And then you read this verse and it says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. 
There's lots of stuff about uh, the sin that raises its head up. One of them is that it's obvious that if you're supposed to lay aside these sins, you know what it is. Did you just hear me? Maybe you're not listening. You can't lay it aside if you don't know what it is. And I didn't make it up. It's in the Holy Bible. Lay aside the sin that doth so easily beset us. So there is a sin, there is the sin that easily messes with you, besets you, that can mess up your race. Is everybody with me? Ah, don't get bent out of shape here. I'm not the one that wrote it. It's in the Holy Bible. Lay aside the sin that doth so easily beset you. Mercy. I'll just go ahead and be honest with you, folks. That verse bothers me a lot. Because I believe what the Bible says. The Bible says, hey, McCracken, you need to lay aside the sin you know that does so easily beset you. Amen? The inference is that you know what the besetting sin is. Oh, mercy. I don't, when I preach, I've preached, I've been preaching for years. It's like I hear people's gears turning in their head going, it's like I can hear your gear turning. And some of you are going, I ain't got no besetting sin. I don't know what it is. You know, if you're married, I could talk to your husband or I could talk to your wife. And they might know what it is. Or your children might know what it is. Or your parents might know what it is. Is anybody hearing me? All right, I told you the verse bothers me. Here's the, I'm telling you, now I'm going to tell you why it bothers me. Because when the Bible says, hey, McCracken, you need to lay aside the besetting sin, the sin that doesn't, and I'm going, God, I got more than one. You know what I'm talking about? Does anybody else have that problem? I got more than one sin that kicks me around, that drags me down. I wish it were only one. No. I'd be a happy camper. Well, Brother Dave, the Holy Bible just said the besetting sin, so evidently there is one. I know there's one, but I'm telling you, I got more than one. I'm not bragging about it, folks. I'm not bragging about my sin and my carnality and my fleshliness. I'm ashamed about it. But the Lord God knows Dave McCracken has more than one. 
But he doesn't say, hey, McCracken, you got all that sin in your life? Get, what are you doing? He says, hey, boy, lay aside the besetting sin. What that means is I know what it is. Wait a minute, Brother Dave, you just said you had more than one. I do. What, what, what? But I know which one right now has got its teeth in me. He's dragging me down. He's pulling at me. He's trying to get me to mess up. Is everybody hearing me? What am I supposed to do? When I finally admit which one it is, I'm supposed to lay it aside. Amen? I don't know if you know the Holy Bible or not, but there's other verses in the Bible, like, I don't know, maybe the psalmist prayed something like this. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. You know, once God shows you one of the wicked ways and you confess it and you make it right, you know what he's likely to do? Come up with something else. Right now, right now in Dave McCracken's life, there is a besetting sin that has had its teeth in me for some time. And by God's kindness and by God's grace, I have confessed it to him. I have laid it aside and God has given me victory and I'm doing mucho better. I'm doing good. Amen? And I'm thankful. But as I'm in the race, God is saying, okay, now, McCracken, this is a besetting sin. You turn that up. You, you, you put it aside. You're really doing good. But, you know, I think I'll bring up something else. Is everybody hearing me? So which one am I supposed to put aside? The one that he deals with me about, I put it aside, and it probably won't be too much longer that he'll speak to my heart about something else. Is everybody hearing me? So it's a constant Thank you, battle in our life. That is, we're in the race and we're trying to make progress. Mercy. The arch enemy of God sinks his talons in us and he begins to tempt us and begins to yank on us and he begins to get us to do something that so easily, so easily messes us up. You know, it's heartbreaking that the Bible uses the word easily. We could say, well, I hardly ever mess up. I'm hanging in there. But there are, he is so wicked. He's so wily. He's so tricky. He can sneak up on us. And all of a sudden, we're saying something, doing something, thinking something that is not even close to Christ-like. Amen? God, in his goodness and kindness, will speak to our hearts. And he says, hey, when I do speak to your heart, you need to lay aside every weight, watch, and the sin. Amen? All right. So what I did, well, I wrote these words down. The list would be impossible to complete if I started listing our sins. Amen? 
it's obvious that if you do, look, look up here, if you do have sin in your life, you're not going to be able to make the progress that you should be for the Lord Jesus. Absolutely. So anyway, what I decided to do is that I, I wrote down a, two verses, and I thought I would let the Bible give you a list of sins. Then I won't list them. I'll let the Bible list them. But before I do that, I can already tell you, I love, the, I love to preach, I love to do this, that the Holy Spirit probably has already brought up something to you. Probably already put his finger on something in your life. It might not be on this list, but the Holy Spirit knows what it is. Let me read the list to you out of Galatians. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry. I'm not going to define all of them. Idolatry is just putting anything in front of God. Witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings. Then so the Bible can cover everything it says and such like. If you've got any of those in you or something like them, duh, that's something you need to lay aside. Amen? Yeah. I want to read this phrase to you, this sentence anyway, from a fellow I read after. He said, materialism, sexual immorality, excessive ambition are just a few that are common in our society today. God never has and he never will wink at our sin. You know what should be a desire in our heart once we get the jersey, once we get the number. Our desire should be to please the coach who put us in on the team. You know what the coach said? Here's, it's, a, it's just a continuation of the metaphor, but listen, he says, go and sin no more. It should be our heart's desire that we want to please the coach and we want to do our utmost not to live and traffic in sin. Somebody say amen. amen. Are we going to be successful? No, not all the way. If you say that you're without sin, you're a liar. The truth is not in you. I didn't say it, it's in 1 John. We're all sinners. We do foul up, we do mess up. But it should be our desire not to sin. It should be our desire that when God points out the besetting sin, we confess it, we forsake it, and we keep on making progress in the race. Can somebody say amen? amen. Absolutely. Mercy. 
I do. When I read the Bible, when I try to tell people the Bible, when I, I try to see pictures in my head. I'm sorry, that's my brain. I'm a visual person. I, if I can see the picture, I can go, whoa, I get it. If I can't see the picture, I'm going, you have to tell me again. I don't know what you mean. Explain it to me. If my dad told me to go do something, like he did remodeling as a side job, as a carpenter, and I was his helper, when dad would go do this work, he said, hey, boy, I want you to go in that bathroom, and I want you to get a hold of that toilet, and I want you to take the guts out of that thing, and I want you to pull that off there, and I want you to bring it in, and I'm going, okay. I go in there, and I look at it, and I'm going, I don't have a clue where to start, what to do. I don't know what to do. I go back to him, and I said, Dad, tell me again what you want me to do. And he, he says, more than one time in my life, he says, Boy, do I need to draw you a picture? And I would say, I'd be really good if you do that. Because if I can see it, I can do it. Well, when I preach, I often see these pictures, and I think it helps us see it. So I got this picture. I want to tell you about a hero in America. He's an American hero. He's an American icon. He's awesome. He's American, he's awesome, but he dresses weird. He's got a weird outfit he wears. He wears red boots that come up to here. They're laced up, they're red, weird. He wears blue tights on his legs. And actually, it's almost like a one piece. It covers his chest and arms, too. It's all dark blue. It's amazing. Red boots and a dark blue outfit that fits him real tight. And then he wears red. Um, there are, they're not underwear. But they're red things. I don't even really know what to call them, but they're just red. And on his chest, he has a gold-looking, almost like a triangle, but like a diamond-shaped thing. It's gold and has red trim around it and has one red letter on it, just one red letter. Does anybody know what that one red letter is? It's an S. And he has a red cape. Anybody know his name? It is Superman! He's awesome. Do you know he's American? He's from Kansas. He's from Kansas. Yes, he is. That's where he grew up. Kansas. He's awesome. I love Superman. He's a great American. He's a hero. Mercy, he can do anything. He can. He's faster than a speeding bullet. Huh? Well, Flash is pretty fast, huh? Superman is amazing. He can fly. He's got x-ray vision. You can shoot him and you can't hurt him. He's incredible. I don't know if you know this or not. Some of you might know it. I, I was shocked when it came out. It's been a number of years ago, but someone came up with this idea for a movie plot that Superman and Batman 
are going to fight each other. That's insane. Batman can't fly. Superman's awesome. Batman can't beat Superman. That's just ridiculous. But anyway, that's just a side note. Now, wait, 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 wait. There's only one thing that messes up Superman. Just one. Uh, that little green rock. Anybody know what that green rock is? Say it out loud. It is. It's kryptonite. Don't mess with it. Superman doesn't want to be around it. He won't get around it. Is everybody with me? He stays away from it. When, when kryptonite gets around him, you know what happens to him? He loses his power. Batman could beat him up, but Batman put some kryptonite up there by him. Is everybody with me? He loses all his power and all his strength. The reason I'm telling you this story is that your besetting sin is kryptonite. I don't know what your besetting sin is, but you and God do. It's kryptonite. What are you supposed to do with kryptonite? Stay away from it! Don't get around it! Don't act like you're okay. Don't act like, well, finally, I can handle kryptonite. No, you cannot. It will destroy you. Lay aside the sin that doth so easily beset you. What are you doing hanging out with it? What are you doing spending time around it? What are you doing giving any energy and effort to it? Can somebody say amen? amen? You and I, what I'm telling you tonight is that our besetting sin is kryptonite. Stay away from it. Okay, since you brought it up, uh, Brother Dave, you've said that whatever that besetting sin is, you need to lay it aside and you can get victory over it and God can help you. And I go, yeah. But what I need to do, stay away from it. Well, Brother Dave, what happens if you get another besetting sin? Lay it aside. Confess it. Stay away from it. All of us that are parents that have had teenagers, kids that are not teenagers, we've tried to protect them where they are not with the wrong group of people. Is anybody hearing me? Some wives, listen carefully, some wives have tried to protect their husband. He doesn't need to be around that person. Anybody hearing me? I don't know what it is, folks. I don't know what it is. I do not know what your kryptonite is, but I know this. It will destroy you. You'll lose your power. You won't have the ability to stand up for God. You won't be making any progress in your race. You will be a calamity. Can somebody say amen? amen. Mercy sakes. Okay. Let me give you another training rule. It's right here in the text. We've read it each night. I haven't talked about it. Preachers talked about it each night. I'm glad he did. I love it. Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Can somebody say amen? I'm supposed to be looking unto Jesus. 
That is a training rule. If I'm going to make progress in the race, I need to be looking unto Jesus. Somebody say amen. I thought this was fascinating. It says the author and finisher of our faith. Do you know that Jesus is the author of our faith? I don't know if you know what that even means. Oh, yeah, he's the author. He's the one that came up with it. It was his idea. We didn't invent it. The writer of Hebrews did not invent it. The Lord Jesus invented it. When it says the finisher, the author of our faith, our faith is talking about our salvation. But it's not just our salvation. Now we are supposed to live the way of faith. Amen? We're supposed to, our Christianity, here's another way to say it, we're supposed to, he's the author and finisher of our race. He's the one that came up with it. Ladies and gentlemen, he knows everything about our race. He knows about all the difficulties. He knows about all the agony, all the pain, all the toil, all the calamity. He knows about the sand we're going to run in. He knows about the devil and how the devil's going to try to get a besetting sin in our life and destroy us, mess up our race. He knows all about it. He's not blind. He's not deaf. He's not away on vacation. He's not asleep. He's the author of our faith. That's good enough, but I'll just go ahead and tell you he's also the finisher. <laughs> That's a hallelujah. Oh. oh, it's so good. I don't have to be the finisher. He is. He already is the finisher. Some of you have seen it. I know Pastor has it around here. I haven't even seen one yet. The little book called Done. We're not doing Christianity. It's already done. He's the finisher of our faith. I used to think that it's my job. <laughs> I got to finish. No, he's already finished. All I got to do is keep my eyes on him. He's the finisher. Since I'm talking about it, I'll go ahead and tell you. I've been preaching since I was 17 years old. God touched my heart and called me to be a preacher when I was 17. And uh, I, I've just been preaching, trying my best to tell people. But you know, when God called me to preach, I thought this. Now, it took me quite a while to get there, but it's probably after college. But I, I thought this. All right. I'm glad you're here. But you ain't leaving till you get right with God. I'm going to finish this thing tonight. You, you don't get right with God tonight. I'll make sure. And I felt like it was my job to get everybody that came. If you walk in those doors, you need to get right with God tonight. Don't you dare leave here not right with God. I thought it was my job to make sure everybody gets right with God before anybody leaves. I just want to tell you out loud. I found out that's not my job. And some of you are going, praise God. That's not my job. My job is just to try to tell people the truth. The Holy Spirit's job is to touch you and to speak to your heart. And God is the one that finishes it. It's not my job to finish it. 
since you brought it up, I've had parents come to me and say, Brother Dave, would you talk to my child, my teenager? Would you help my son? Would you help my daughter? Would you help them? Because I want them to get right with God. And would you tell, I've been trying so hard to try to get them right with God, and I'm trying, but it's not working. Would you get them right with God? I said, it's not my job to get them right with God. It's not your job to get them right with God. That's God's job. You'll get some rest if you'll stop trying to get people right with God. You want your husband to get right with God? It's not your job to get him right. It's your job to let God get him right. You want your wife to get right with God? It's not your job. It's not your job to get your teenager right with God. It's your job to let God get them right with God. Amen. He's the finisher. We're supposed to trust him. It's complete. This is so much fun. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I'm almost done. We're getting close to Lamentations. Hang on, hang on. I'm in the race. What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to be looking unto Jesus. Amen? I'm supposed to be running. There's no doubt about it. But where am I supposed to be looking? Jesus. Do you know how many people do? You want to know how many people run? They run like this. Woo. I am looking good. I am probably the best Christian this church has ever had. They are so glad to have someone like me. You know how many people in Christianity are looking at themselves thinking they're awesome? They're thinking, I know this church is glad that I go here. Because I am a prayer warrior. I am a soul winner. I love the preacher. I, and you know what happens if you're running a race and you're only looking at yourself? You're going to crash and chip a tooth, break a leg. It's going to be a mess. Get your eyes off yourself. Oh, since you brought it up, here's another way people run. Hey, what's wrong with you? You should be up here with me. Why are you way back there? Then somebody goes, hey, you think you're better than me? You're not better than I am. Hey, hey, wait a minute. And they got their eyes on everybody around them instead of on Jesus. And you worry and you're a crybaby about what other people are doing. Get your eyes off of other people. Get your eyes on Jesus. Well, they think they're better than me. Stop it. Get your eyes off what other people think, what other people say. It is so disappointing how many people stop going to church because something somebody said is what they said. I had, uh, I pastored at the Bible Baptist Church in Stillwater, Oklahoma for nine years. And uh, I'd been there about four years and a family came in after church one evening service and they said brother Dave we need to talk to you this is our last service we're not going to be coming back I said oh I'm sorry what is going on are you guys moving no we're not moving we just we just can't take it anymore nobody in this church likes us I said nobody likes you now our congregation is around 400 people I said nobody likes you nobody likes I said, nobody in the whole church? Nobody likes us. 
I said, me and Nancy, we like you fine. Well, you know, everybody but you. <laughs> everybody in our church is talking about us. Everybody's talking about us. I said, everybody's talking about you. Everybody's talking about us. We can't go to this church. Everybody's talking about us. I said, everybody's not talking about me and Nancy. We're not talking about you. Well, everybody but you. You know what I mean. Everybody's talking about us. I'll just go ahead and tell you, I told them, I felt like I wanted to be everybody's pastor in our town of Stillwater, Oklahoma, 25,000 people. I want to be everybody's pastor, but God taught me a long time ago that I'm not going to be everybody's pastor no matter how bad I wanted to be. And I said, I'm sorry. But I did also say to them, I said, I think you're a little mixed up about everybody talking about you. I think you're thinking too highly of yourself. You think everybody's talking about you. I'm just telling you, everybody, everybody's not talking about you because most people in this church don't even care about you. They wouldn't waste their time talking about you. <laughs> oh, no, everybody hates us. No, everybody's not talking about you. Everybody doesn't hate you. But your attitude and the way you present yourself, people don't want to be around you. Is anybody hearing me? This is, boy, this is so valuable. Here's what I've learned. I've been doing this a long time. I've been in the ministry for 48 years. Unbelievable. I've learned this. If you, I'll just, I won't talk about you right now. If I will keep my eyes on Jesus, I can go through anything. It doesn't matter what people say about me, I got my eyes on Jesus. What people think about me, I got my eyes on Jesus. Anybody hear me? Remember, you're not getting it. When I'm running in the stand and my heart is broken and I can't believe this tragedy happened to me, I've got my eyes on Jesus. Not the stand, not the tragedy. Anybody hear me? Satan is so wicked and wily and he's always putting these obstacles in my way and he's got his talons to grab a hold of me and pull me back and tempt me. But if I will keep my eyes on Jesus and not look around at the temptations all around me, can somebody say amen? amen. Since you brought it up, I am, I, I, I am, oh, I'm going to say it. I wasn't going to say it. I am just fed up. I'm sick and tired of crybaby Christians. Okay, I said it. They've got their eyes on everybody else except Jesus. When you start whining and you start complaining and you start bellyaching, I guarantee you your eyes are not on Jesus Christ. I guess I'll go ahead and let you guys know I'm not a pastor of a church. I'm not good at counseling people. <laughs> and I tell people, to their face, get your eyes on Jesus. 
And some people don't want anybody to be that blunt. And if, you know, I'm not a pastor. I used to. I don't know that God would ever want me to pastor again. I, I'd try, I would be try, I'd try. But I think he just wants me to go around and, and yell at people. <laughs> and try to help them get their eyes on Jesus. My youngest brother, 56 years old, who's been a meth and phenamine addict for over 30 years. His life is in crumbles. Heartbreaking. He's like a drug addict. He knows it's wrong. He knows he should quit. He knows he should stop. And he'd say, okay, I'm going to quit. And he'd do good. And he's going to go to church. going to read the Bible. going to have Bible studies. And then, <laughs> and, oh, I'm going to. And then he'd do good again. Is everybody with me? Yeah, 30 years of it. I'm getting ready to tell you a story which this story I'm telling you is eight years old. Before I tell you the story, I want to go ahead and rejoice. My youngest brother's name is Tim or Timmy. He's been clean for 27 months. He's been doing right for 27 months. That's as long as he's gone since 30 years ago. And we're grateful. He's excited about what God's doing in his life. And it is a hallelujah. But back up nine years ago, my dad died. And my brother, my baby brother and my dad were real good buddies and friends. And my dad liked to fish and hunt. And my youngest brother is a fisherman and a hunter. And they did things together. But when dad died, it just ripped my brother's heart out. You know, he was a drug addict, but it ripped his heart out. Let's mess it up. Okay. So, uh, would y'all stop doing that for a minute? Hey, Bubba, will y'all stop doing that for just a second? Hey, 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 would you look up here for just a second? Okay. That's good. I don't want you to get in big trouble or anything, but right now I, I want you to stop doing that so it won't mess me up. Okay. Because I get messed up so easy. So, my brother, uh, dad died, and Father's Day, he calls me. And he said, uh, Happy Father's Day. Now, he doesn't call often back in those days, just every once in a while. Or I said, hey, that's very nice of you to say Happy Father's Day to me. He goes, I know you're not my dad, but I know you love me, and I know you pray for me. And I was going to say thank you. You touched my heart, and he was trying to be good. He called me out of the blue again, just short time after that. And he said, hey, would you give me one of those jewels? I don't have any jewels, Tim. No, why don't you give me one of them jewels? And I go, Tim, we do not have any jewels in our house. I'm not talking about jewelry. I want to talk about one of them jewels out of the Bible. Oh, well, I got lots of them. I said, let me give it to you. If you'll turn there, I'll show it to you. Lamentations 3. Let me show it to you. This is an awesome jewel. So he's on the phone with me, and I tell him, listen to this verse of Scripture. Lamentations 3, look at verse 
21. It says, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. Look what the Bible says in verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. And I said, Tim, do you get it? Do you get it? And he goes, no. I said, the only reason that you and I are still breathing air is the Lord's mercy. And his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. And I said, Tim, I know you're proud of me. I know I'm your preacher brother. I know you look up to me. But Bubba, the only reason that your brother is still in the ministry today is because his compassions fail not. And his mercies are new every morning. That's the only reason I'm still a preacher today. It's the only reason Nancy and I are still married. The only reason I'm still trying to serve God is because his compassions fail not. His mercies are new every morning. Is everybody with me? I said, so here's the picture. I want you to think of the biggest dump truck you can think of. It's big. It's humongous. It's big. It's huge dump truck. Can you think of it? He goes, yeah, I can. I said, it's red. It's shiny red. It's brand new red. It's never been used. It's brand new. I said, it has chrome wheels on it. However big the truck is, however big the tires, the wheels are chrome. They're shiny. The handles are chrome to get into the cab. The smokestacks on both sides, the exhaust, they're chrome. The front of the truck is beautiful chrome. It's shiny. It's never been used. It's brand new. Can you picture it? He goes, yes. I said, okay, that truck is backing up to your front door right now. Beep, 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 beep. I said, can you see it? He said, yes, I can hear it. It's coming to your front door. And now the bed of the dump truck is starting to raise up. It's lifting up higher and higher and higher. And that big gate on the back end of it opens up. And every morning, this jimongous dump truck comes to your house, and it's full of God's mercies. It comes every day to your house. Every morning, Tim, whether you want it to or not, it comes every morning. The only reason your brother is still in the ministry is because that big dump truck comes to my house every morning, too. It's for everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you right now, every one of us in here have fouled up. We've messed up. We have besetting sins. But that dump truck comes to your house, too. It comes to your front door. It's a big truck, and it's full. Every day, it's a brand-new truck. It's new every morning, and it's full of God's mercies. I've told people this, and it, 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 it is true. It doesn't happen every morning. But many mornings, many mornings in a month, I'm on this side of the bed. When I roll out of bed and this leg comes out of bed and this foot touches the ground, I thank God for that big red truck. I need it every morning. I'm thankful that he touched my heart with that and showed me that it comes every day. I'm thinking we probably need a revival. 
We need a revival that has a heart of gratitude toward the big red truck. We need, we need revival in the attitude that we're going to stay away from kryptonite. We're not going to let that rule our life. We're going to stay away from it. And we're going to do our best to confess it and forsake it. And we'll do everything we can to keep our eyes on Jesus. I'm telling you, when your heart's broken, when you're disappointed, when you are frustrated, get your eyes on Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Thank you for listening. Bow our heads for prayer, please. Our great God, I come to you again. I just want to say thank you very much. Thank you that you love us. Thank you for the truth of the Bible. It's so good. God, I'm grateful for the big red truck every day. God, I'm grateful that you don't give up on me when I have besetting sin in my life. You keep trying to point it out to me. God, it is my desire to confess it and forsake it, stay away from it. And Jesus, I pray for every heart in this room that we'd be willing to keep our eyes on you, forsake our sin. Thank you, Christ. Work a revival in us, please. If someone's not yet born again, they're not saved, touch them, convince them. They must be born again. And tonight you would forgive their sin if they would turn to you. Thank you, Christ. Our heads are bowed. Miss Becky's going to play. Brother Godby's going to sing. As the invitation begins, I just ask you, would you just do what God touches your heart about? Amen. It's a blessing. God, thank you for the big red truck. God, forgive me for taking my eyes off of you, Jesus. I'm sorry. Whatever that besetting sin is, ladies and gentlemen, please stay away from it. It's kryptonite. Amen. Thank you, Christ. 